Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce Weinstein, you know we have written 35 cookbooks. If you listen to this podcast, you know this answer. We are currently writing our 36th, which will be out next year. But this year, right now, we have a book just out, The Instant Air Fryer Bible. You can check it out wherever books are sold. As they say, it is for great Easy, easy, easy food from an air fryer. Listen, there is no other point to an air fryer than easy food. That's the whole crunchy point. food, crunchy food, crunchy, crunchy easy food. food. How to get easy crunch in your food? But we are not talking about air fryers today. You should get one, but we're not talking about them today. We're going to talk about <laughs> charging your friends for a dinner party. Ka-ching. We're going to talk. <laughs> So insane. We're going to talk about a one-minute cooking tip. We're going to talk about two of the new books out this fall that both of us really like, and they are not our books. So we want to introduce you to two new books out this fall and then end, as we always do, with what's making us happy with food this week. Let's get started. Charging your friends for a dinner party may sound kind of funny, it may sound kind of rude, but the Huffington Post recently ran an article, and it was about an L.A.-based comedian named Amber Nelson. Do we, do, okay, wait, do, do we believe this? Yeah, I believe is this, is this part of her act? No, I mean, no, because she's not the only one. So she tweeted that she was invited to someone's place for dinner, and they charged her for it. How? Well, after the party, the host sent a Venmo request <gasps> to everyone who was there for $20. 20 and bucks? You may say, well, what did she get for her $20? Penne <laughs> well, inflation is what it is. But still, nonetheless, penne a la vodka for 20, 20 bucks. Well, that's was not it even good penne? So the point is, <laughs> was you handmade invite penne? someone for dinner and then you charge them for it? Well, yeah, no, it seems like you can't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you can't come from behind. I said, okay, now listen. Back in the day, when I was in grad school, when I was writing my PhD at UW-Madison, University of Wisconsin-Madison, in the English department, I ran book groups. I still ran, run book groups. I run them online. I run them in local libraries. I still run book groups. But I ran this book group outside of my PhD program. These were not really smarty pants, you know, literary people. These were local people who gave this book group. And, whoa, I don't know, once every couple months, I would make dinner for them all. And there would be... 15, 16 of them in my home for this book group. Uh, But I set it up in advance. I would say, you know, in three or four weeks, I'm going to make a big rib dinner to celebrate, I don't know, finishing off all Flannery O'Connor short stories. And I'm going to make a (laughs) smoked rib dinner. And, you know, if everybody could chip in 10 bucks, that would be great. For that That's dinner. great. You put that out there up front. I did. You didn't do it after the fact. And Mark and I have a and lot. I was, I, and and I, I should say I was a poor graduate student. So, I mean, I really, honestly, this was to help me truly defray cough. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And you ask people up front, which makes a lot of sense. You can't do it after the fact. We no. have a lot of no. dinner parties. And I stress out about how everything will come out. And I always remind myself, okay, so, oh, my goodness, I didn't think that pastry worked so well. And Mark will say, how much are they paying for this dinner? That and is. The That's reason what I always say is, is how much are they paying? Because once they pay... 
they get to complain. <laughs> Maybe that's why she didn't answer to pay up front. And this is Bruce's thing is that Bruce went to chef school and he claims he never wanted to be a chef. I'm telling your story now. Mm-hmm. He claimed he never wanted to be a chef because once people pay for the food you make, then they can complain about it. So he left chef school and went into advertising because he didn't want to be in a consumer environment. With oh, food. my God. You've now now been, you're in a total consumer environment writing cookbooks. You've opened okay. in restaurants. You've seen how people treat the serving staff and yeah. the chefs in restaurants. Yeah. It's disgusting. So people commented by the hundreds on that post. And it turned out that this comedian wasn't the only one that this happened to. And a photographer who works in Canada said he was at a 10-person dinner party once where they made pork tenderloin, there was cheese and nuts, there was bacon-covered asparagus, there was mashed potatoes, nice. there was a sugar pie for dessert. Nice. And as the cognacs and brandies were being passed around... Well, this person was told that everyone owed thirty dollars. That that just again. At least seems, they got their money's worth. Uh, that, well, I don't better know. than penne alla vodka. Well, yes, better than unless it was handmade penne. That's what I'm asking. Did she I roll the penne? Doubt it. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. What Did if she it, distilled the vodka? What if it's vodka? twenty dollars for penne alla vodka and it's like the vodka sauce out of a jar and you know dried penne, the cheap store. <laughs> That's not to cover her expenses. That's like a rent party. That is someone having you over to make money to pay their rent. I love that. I love the the ballsiness of that, but I would never do it. You know, I have this whole thing about ethics of dinner parties. Bruce and I throw a lot of dinner parties. We have a lot of good friends. We go to their homes for dinner. They come to our homes for dinner. Sometimes Bruce and I pull out all the stops, and we do actually plated sit-down dinner parties Mm -hmm. where Bruce plates the food like a chef in the kitchen, and I help him, and it's multiple courses, and we bring them out to the table, and, you know, you sit down at a table setting with, like, multiple pieces of silverware and multiple glasses and I mean it's this really formal thing and it's not stiff we have a great deal of fun oh my goodness I love those parties our friends have a great time we have a good time partly because of the amount of wine that gets drunk but we have a great deal of fun at those parties we're very silly I I actually think too among some of our friends we've actually upped the game but now they plate food sometimes (laughs) in the kitchen you know like because we've kind of upped the game with some of them which is really nice I like that but but I have a couple dinner party etiquette rules. Okay. And this is my first etiquette dinner party rule is people often bring something. I mean, it's, it's polite to bring something, right? Um, I Not if you're being charged. Then I, you don't have to bring anything. No, true. But uh, <laughs> I think that bringing a bottle of wine is the tackiest thing. And here's why I think it's the tackiest thing, to bring a bottle of wine to a dinner party. Because to me, what you're saying is I don't think you're going to serve good enough wine. And so here's the bottle, and I want you to open this one. Uh, we have really good friends who come to dinner parties at our house, and they always say, they hand us a bottle of nice wine, and they always say, this is for you later. It's a gift. It's this a is gift. not for tonight. Right. This is for you later later and I think that is the nicest thing because then I don't feel obligated like oh do they think I'm serving crappy wine and they're really hoping that that I should that's a hard thing I also think and we're now getting off onto the ethics of dinner parties I also think flowers are the most passive aggressive thing you can bring (laughs) they make me crazy because if you bring flowers to my house for a dinner party I have to do something I have to stop what I'm doing and deal with them because when people bring us a gift when they come to a dinner party what I usually do is say thank you and I put it off to the side sometimes I don't even look at it till after they've gone and that's perfectly fine to do so the thing is you give me flowers and 
I have to deal with a vase and water. Oh, now, at least we, we have a, well, we have a friend. She's a pianist. And she came last summer, and she brought flowers, but it was she did something really smart. She went to a florist that put little vials of water on the bottom of each stem. Mm. So all I had mm. to do was drop mm. them in a vase. I didn't have to get water. I didn't mm. have to trim them. Mm. So that was very nice. And I, I also do that. I also send flowers in advance to dinner parties sometimes. Well, that's nice. And it's in advance. It's in advance. So I'll send a flower arrangement, which I don't expect on the table. It's just for – and that's why I almost always I just send roses because the host or hostess can do anything they want with roses. It doesn't matter what happens True. to them. I don't need them in the middle of the table. They're not for that. They're for you. So if you're going to charge me for a dinner party, the first thing I want to say to you is I get to choose the menu <laughs> because I don't go to a restaurant and pay without choosing what I eat. Oh, oh are you sure? I don't go to those kind of restaurants. Are you sure? Because am... prefix restaurants are yeah. the thing. They are the thing, but we don't go to them because I have enough food issues and things I don't want to eat and things I'm not in the mood for. So I want to go to an a la carte restaurant where I get to choose. So if I'm paying you $20, I'm going to decide what I want to eat. Yeah. Well, I don't have as much problem with that in a restaurant because I feel like the chef is a bona fide professional in those kind of restaurants. And if I'm going to get the tasting menu, I feel like, well, I'm really getting the the chef at the top of the game. And the other thing about getting a tasting menu in so many restaurants these days is you're not getting the line cooks. You're getting chefs. You are. And True. that is something that is uh, important because she or he is going to be overseeing specifically that tasting menu, whereas the line cooks are going to be maybe making many of the things that are just on the menu. So. I like tasting menus, but and I don't. I'm not as picky as Bruce is, and so I'm happy to be served things. But I don't want to be charged at people's houses. Oh now God, I understand. So tacky. I understand fundraisers. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, there's sure. A, but you're going to something you know you're paying in advance. Correct. For. So, so there's a local library where we live up here in rural New England, and they're having a fundraiser, and they're having someone in to give a talk about Georgia O'Keeffe. The person wrote a bio of Georgia O'Keeffe, and they're serving kind of a dessert buffet and champagne and it's 150 ahead but the point there is that you're not going to pick your desserts because you know you're coming to a fundraiser mm -hmm. and you're not going to probably complain about that i mean maybe they don't serve vintage french champagne maybe they serve oh i'll complain prosecco oh, i will always you're, complain you're about money, cheap champagne you're giving money to the library you're you not there to make a big deal mm -hmm. about what you're eating so that's a whole different matter but so let me say this to so all the people that we've just shamed about charging your friends. <laughs> I want to speak to you directly. If they're really your friends, you have to trust that, one, they will appreciate even if you go downscale and make something that's affordable, right? And boxed pasta with jarred sauce is perfectly fine if that's what you can afford to do. And if they are your friends, they will appreciate it. And yeah, two... True. If they are really your friends, they will reciprocate, and you will get to have dinner at their house and then the next person's house. So for every dinner you make, you'll get to go out for two or three other dinners, and it all works out in the end. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine the chutzpah. What's the right shootspa. word? The well, I'll be the goy. I can't imagine the chutzpah of, <laughs> of actually charging someone afterwards without telling them that it is going to be charged. I mean, back again. When well, I who has the... 
who has the cojones to tell them up front? Well, again, back when I did this in grad school, I told them up front, you know, if everybody can chip in $10, then we can have a smoked rib dinner. But that wasn't a dinner party. I'm trying to imagine. Well, it was. We all sat down at the table. No, we no, we sat down at the table. And to be honest with you, the $10 that they gave me, even back then, only vaguely defrayed the cost because, of course, I smoked ribs. I bought mm-hmm. bottles of wine. I bought beers. You know, I mean, I made a lemon meringue pie or two. Well, 16 people, I made two lemon meringue pies. I mean, you know, it vaguely defrayed the cost. I'm and just trying to imagine. Out poor grad student. But that was, again, announced in advance. I'm trying to imagine calling our friends and saying, hey, what are you doing Saturday night? Want to come to dinner? And would you pay me $40 a piece? (laughs) I just can't. (laughs) Well, I mean, you do make pretty fancy food, and maybe some of them would, but it just seems... But then they get to complain about it. It just seems crazy that you would charge people to come over to your house to eat. I, I mean... I don't know. We we were at a dinner party by very good friends, and uh, their daughter's father-in-law, I know it's complicated, but their daughter's father-in-law had recently passed away, and he was a very well-to-do man. And basically, they got to raid his uh, alcohol cellar, and he had some unbelievably old bottles of Armagnac and Calvados and Cognac, things that are quite pricey at this point, to say the least. And they brought out this really nice bottle of Armagnac and opened it at the table. And at their house. At their, their house. Their dinner right. party, right. And you know, the host, he kind of poured out little glasses and he was like, oh, this is a tree. Oh, because... he brought out these thimble side glasses yeah. and poured everybody a half an inch. Yeah, and then I picked up the bottle and basically poured a big pour into my wine glass. I did pour a little too much into a wine glass, and I suppose you could have charged me for that, but I I couldn't have afforded it. So you could try to charge me. Your Venmo is going to come back unanswered because I couldn't afford that. (laughs) So don't charge your friends for dinner parties. Bring nice gifts. Don't expect them to open it. Reciprocate and take your friends out. And again, don't charge your friends for dinner parties. Up next, our one-minute cooking tip. Before we get there, though, let us say that it would be great if you could subscribe to this podcast, if you could rate it. That would be terrific. Lately, we have gotten some really beautiful reviews on Apple and on Audible Books. Thank you for doing that. I know it takes trouble to drop down to the bottom of the page to see how to rate it, and then there's a link, write a review, and you click it. And even if you just say nice podcast or having a lot of fun, thank you so much for doing that. It helps us out in the end. And Again, we want to kind of stay independent at this point, and we want to be able to say whatever we want to say, so thanks for that. Okay, our one-minute cooking tip. Double your next batch of rice, quinoa, wheat berries, whatever grain your recipe calls for, and you will have some ready in the fridge for lunches during the week. This is Think genius. about adding some of them to chopped tomatoes and cucumbers. You could even mix them into scrambled eggs. It is a way to get some healthy whole grains into your diet, make your meals a little better without doing any extra work. I mean, wheat berries are a pain in the neck or a lower spot on the body, a pain in the something to make because they take so long, because they take 50 minutes and they take a long time to get right. But once they're right, you can dump them in a bag and save them in the fridge. And, and you put them in salads, you put them in eggs, they're there anytime you want them. At the bottom, you can freaking open a can of tomato soup and put those wheat berries at the bottom of your bowl and ladle your you hot can. tomato soup over it. You, really, honestly. Stir them into hungry. 
hummus. They're f- stirring it into hummus. They are a fabulous addition to salads, to stews, to braises, the bottom of things. And as Bruce says, you can just toss them into chopped salads. And this goes with anything, not just wheat berries. Quinoa, which cooks in much shorter time. Rice. You could do it with any grain. Anytime you're making a grain as a side dish or a recipe that calls for a grain, make extra. Keep it in the fridge. Up next, our third segment, and in this spot, Bruce usually does, and sometimes I do, occasionally I do an interview with a chef, a cookbook writer, or an artisanal food maker. I'm still not over the gin from Stockholm. If you haven't listened to that podcast, <laughs> go back, because wow, that distillery in Stockholm, that gin is the best there ever is. Brenneri. Stockholm's Brenneri. Brenneri. We're, we're getting closer to being able to say it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brenneri Distillery. Um, really check that out and check out their chin because it's just astounding. But what in we're going to do in this segment of the podcast this time is we're going to talk about two books that are out new this fall that we think are really worth your attention and worth your effort to go track them down. So why don't you start well, with it's yours? Funny, mine is oh, surprise, surprise. It's a Chinese cookbook. If yeah, you know wow, Jews and Chinese food, what's, Bruce, Bruce and Chinese what's food. going on there? I don't if know. you know anything about me at this point, you know I love Chinese food. I love making Chinese. Food. I love going out for Chinese food. I love everything about Chinese food. And I have been expanding my Chinese repertoire. And so I've been watching a lot of YouTube channels. Um, there's a whole bunch of really good YouTube channels out there. Um, the Taste Show with Chef John, they have like 5 million subscribers. And he does some really great stuff. Um, Is this like Uncle Roger? No, he's real. Um, there's the souped well, up who's recipes. Real? Uncle Roger's real? No, he's not. <laughs> no, the ones I'm talking about are real. Oh, yeah. Uncle Roger's not real. I love, if, you, if you don't know, Uncle Roger on YouTube. You really have to check him out. Well, check out Wendy on Souped Up Recipes. I'm hoping she comes out with a book because her recipes are really good. But there's another channel called The Walks of Life, and it's a family. It's the uh, the Lung family. There's Bill, Judy, Sarah, Caitlin, and they all do different recipes. And they have a new book out called The Walks of Life, and it is the recipes that they've been doing on their channel. So, of course, why do I need the book? Well, because you have it all in one place, and you have to stop and go look it up. And I'm saying this is a good book, even though a lot of these recipes are recipes you know, recipes you're probably familiar with. The way they handle them are so great. They're Dan Dan Noodles are so mm. delicious. They I've make, had them. They make You've a, made them. I have made them. They make this basic Dan Dan sauce that you can keep in the fridge and just fry up the meat and toss it with the noodles, and they're so delicious. And, yes, Mark and I have a Dan Dan noodle recipe on our YouTube channel, but it's for the Instant Pot. This is not Instant Pot. This is standard Dan Dan noodles. It's much more authentic than ours is for the Instant Pot, and it's really delicious. So tell, say the name of the book again and say the, who the writers are. Bruce is so, flipping through it if you hear it. It's He's The Walk. The Walks of Life, Recipes to Know and Love from a Chinese-American Family by Bill, Judy, Sarah, and Caitlin Leung. And I'm sure I'm mispronouncing Leung. It's L-E-U-N-G. And their book is full of beautiful photos. I still hear you flipping through it. Yeah, I am still flipping through it because I'm looking for my favorite recipe. I said the Dandin Rules, which is my favorite thing they do. They have a great recipe for char siu, for roast pork. They have Cantonese and Cicerone recipes. One of my favorite, they have this Cantonese pork belly fried rice. And if at this point, I can buy 
plain, uncured pork belly, even in my local supermarket. So that is something I think everybody should try and make is fried rice. And Mark mentioned Uncle Roger. You could watch him to know how not to make fried rice. <laughs> I love Uncle Roger. He's a comedian who plays a kind of old fussy Chinese man who is very angry at the way people make Chinese food <laughs> on YouTube. And most of his videos are reaction videos to other, dare we say, Americans making <laughs> Chinese food and his anger at the way they make it. Bruce is still flipping pages and I'm talking. Well, I'm looking at their scallion okay, pancakes, stop, stop which are flipping so talking. delicious. It's so and rude. so crispy. And they have a recipe for these Cantonese zhangi. And if you know what those are, you know how good they are. They're sticky rice that is mixed with pork and aromatic vegetables and it's steamed inside bamboo leaves. They're the, you know, the triangular pyramid little thingies that are tied up in string and you steam those and the rest of you should make those yourself they're so good okay. lots of I'm, dim sum I, recipes. I'm passing on okay because you have had, had way enough time walks of book. life it's a really good book okay so i'm passing on to again an asian book and this oh, is surprise surprise yes the vegan chinese well it is actually because the goyim don't know anything about chinese food but this is the vegan chinese kitchen and it's by hannah che and the book is basically vegan chinese food from across china and there are astounding recipes in this book. Even if you're not a vegan, this book will convince you to try to be more of a vegan because of the unbelievably authentic and delicious recipes in the book. There is a recipe that I have turned the corner of it down because I want Bruce to make it. And you notice I'm what not, is it? I'm not going to make it. It's dry fried potatoes. Mm, I and love Chinese potatoes. I do too. And the, the, if you don't know, dry fry is a whole cooking technique in which you basically are not using a sauce in a wok, but you're basically uh, stir frying a lot of aromatics. And then you're adding ingredients to that with out adding liquids. Mm -hmm. And so these ingredients, the, the, the spices get very toasty and usually dry fried dishes, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I usually think of them as very spicy. They often are very spicy and they're, they're, it's, they can also be oily because there's a lot of oil and spices, but as you say, not a lot of sauce. So you don't have the soy and the vinegar and all that stuff, but you do have delicious aromatic food. And I was looking at that book too. And there's a pumpkin porridge in that book eh, that I am making. Actually, we have friends okay, this coming. Is my time. This is my turn. I get to talk. It's Chinese food, though. It's always my turn. Oh, God. What is it with the Jews and Chinese food? Okay. Anyway, in the dry fried What else potato, are we going to do on Christmas? Stop. I don't know. Celebrate the birth of Jesus. <laughs> so, um... Jews. <laughs> I, 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 I really have no comeback to all that. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, in this dry fried potato dish, there are potatoes, tons of chilies, tons of Szechuan peppercorns. There's celery. It sounds like an unbelievably spicy, hot dish with russet. You know, I mean, believe it or not, russet potatoes. You know China is one of the world's largest producers of potatoes at this point. And potatoes are across the board becoming more and more part of the Chinese diet. And this dish just sounds so incredibly well, delicious. Well, they also use a lot of potato starch and they make potato starch noodles. So potatoes are a big industry in China. And there's a there are lots of recipes for tofu skins. And some of them are shocking because you don't think of, for example, her braised tofu skins with tomatoes. Hmm. And Tomatoes just seem so 
odd in Chinese cooking for many people. But again, it's becoming a more and more prominent ingredient. It is an unusual dish that I've seen pop up on these、uh, YouTube Chinese cooking channels and in a lot of books. Is、uh, eggs and tomatoes.、Mm-hmm. So it's、mm-hmm. and not、mm-hmm. boiled eggs, but scrambled、mm-hmm. eggs with tomatoes、Correct. done in a wok. And it's supposed to be a very classic Chinese dish. Yeah, right. And it's becoming increasingly tomatoes again are increasingly becoming part of the Chinese diet. I mean, perhaps a hundred years ago it would be unusual. Well, listen, when I traveled in China in the eighties, it would have been really unusual as I remember to find a tomato, except maybe in a Western style hotel. But now it's becoming increasingly more part of the cuisine. There are lots of dishes in Hannah Che's book, The Vegan Chinese Kitchen, using tofu skins and、mm-hmm. making various kinds of mock. Meats out of them. You want to talk about? Oh, it's tra- very traditional dish is mock goose, and you make it by taking these fresh tofu skins and filling them with a combination of bamboo shoots and carrots and shiitake mushrooms. You roll them up, you steam them, and then they get very very soft, and then you deep fry them, <laughs> so they get very very crunchy, and it sort of resembles the crispy crispy <laughs> goose skin with the sweet soft filling underneath, and so it and. And it's actually fallen out of favor, and you don't find this these, these dishes on menus much anymore.、Right. But this dish looks so great. I actually bought some tofu skins at H Mart when I was down there last week, and we have a friend who's a vegetarian coming for dinner、uh, actually tomorrow. So we could talk in a future podcast about how it came out. I'm going to be making that mock goose. Right. So do check out Hannah Che's book C H E J Hannah Che. Check out her book on the vegan Chinese kitchen because it is really a stunner, and the recipes seem unbelievably unusual, way out of the norm. And again, it's just a book that I think it would be worth your while to go to find. So our last segment, as usual, what's making us happy in food this week? And I'm going to let you start. I always start extra dark, crunchy pretzels. <laughs> They're just like, you know, before dinner, I want something with my high noon fruity hard seltzer. Oh, Bruce is addicted to high noon seltzers. And、oh、so Uts, you know, Uts, the potato chip people, they also make pretzels, and they make extra dark pretzels, like they burn them, and. Oh, they also make extra dark potato chips made from russets, but and those are good too. But they're not as good as extra a, dark pretzels. I had a really tough day yesterday、uh, before we recorded this podcast. I taught a two-hour seminar on a novel by Katsuo Ishiguro、uh, on Zoom at a local library, but it's live and on Zoom together. And then I came home and I wrote tons of recipes for our new book. And then I tried to develop other、uh, lectures that I have to develop in the future on literature. Things and then I scoped out more things for my Dante podcast. It was a really hard day. My, my, literally, my brain hurt by the time I went upstairs, and so I poured myself a stiff bourbon. And Bruce told me I had to have something in my stomach, so he brought me Uts's、uh, uh, extra dark special <laughs> pretzels. Pretzels, and I made him eat the pretzels. They're good. <laughs> He did. You want a real treat? Open a jar of hot fudge and dip the pretzels、oh、in the hot fudge.、God. Not with bourbon. That's disgusting. <laughs> but okay. Because、yeah. crunchy, salty pretzels with the soft, sweet hot fudge—nothing beats that. No, it doesn't. So, what made me happy in food this week is Bruce is, as I have already mentioned on another episode of the podcast, becoming increasingly obsessed with Sri Lankan food. And we had a Sri Lankan author on the podcast、uh, several weeks ago. Oh, Tama Carey, and、mm. her book is called Long. 
drunken food. Mm-hmm. And she's an Australian, right? Uh, she lives in Sydney, and she has a restaurant called the Lunken Filling Station. Yeah, okay. And we had her on the podcast, and it sent Bruce off into this tizzy of Sri Lankan cooking. And last night, he made a beef curry and it was delicious it was hot it was hot <laughs> it was spicy i wasn't familiar with the sri lankan curry paste so i didn't quite know how to use it because i wasn't using a recipe i was just kind of winging it and so i used half the jar where i probably could have used a quarter of the jar and then the fun <laughs> thing was i needed a can of coconut milk and when i reached in my pantry the two cans i thought were coconut milk weren't Okay, so <laughs> so I had to make coconut milk. Yeah, he did. He had to soak coconut and, and process bite it. and mix it and uh, then strain the it. So anyway, it was a delicious curry. We ate it with lime pickle. If you don't know what that is, <laughs> you clearly haven't been enough, around enough Brits in your life. We ate it with lime pickle and with a coconut sambal, which is very traditional in Sri Lankan cooking. Mm-hmm. Both of which Bruce had ordered from Sri Lankan outlets online, mm-hmm. right? Yep, and they. It was really delicious, deeply flavored, really high. Probably could t- handle the heat level because I'd had that stiff bourbon. So it was really hot. And the pretzels. It was del- <laughs> two pretzels, but it was really delicious, and uh, it made me so happy. So it was such comforting food, spicy, hot, oh, just the right thing before we went down to continue binging Better Call Saul. So <laughs> <laughs> that's our podcast for this week. We are certainly glad you are along for the ride with us and we don't take it for granted we know that your being here is your effort we hope we're putting out our best effort to meet those expectations so that together we can find out more about food and cooking check out our facebook page cooking with bruce and mark and check out our newly redesigned website bruceandmark.com or cookingwithbruceandmark.com where you can find all our podcasts lots of videos lots of recipes, lots of new stuff. And a link to buy our newest book, The Instant Air Fryer Bible. So do all that. But most important, keep listening, keep downloading for another episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark.